One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is, and whoever Luke Owen is. Was Edge versus Randy Orton really the greatest wrestling match ever? I am Luke and this is El Fagador Laurie Blake. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast review of Backlash 2020, where we are going to definitively answer the question. Was Randy Orton versus Edge the greatest wrestling match ever? Long story short, no. But it was a very good match. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it was, I it was a prime example. I think we said this last night when we, were, when we were doing the live reactions. It was a very good example of what WWE thinks a very good wrestling match is. Uh, and I, I think that is slightly different to what a lot of... Uh, people out there believe. I don't think. I don't think by any measure that means this was a bad match. This was really, really good match. It's just a very WWE match. It's like the perfect WWE match, basically. And like I would say that it is the best main roster match of 2020 mm-hmm. um, on pay per view at the very least. You know, I, th- I really enjoyed the the Gulak Brian match from Elimination Chamber. Uh, obviously, Brian Styles from SmackDown this past Friday was amazing. But I think, like, given that it went, you know, nearly 50 minutes mm. and you had sort of the big pomp and circumstance, it was the main event of a pay per view. It is two like massive stars. It probably is the best main roster match of 2020. I think comfortably you could you could argue that. <clears throat> but in terms of it being the greatest wrestling match ever, like it's probably in top not even in the top 50, maybe not even mm. the top 100, like it was but it was like it was a really really great match. It just kind of sucks that here we are, you know, the morning after this wanting to be able to talk about how this was a great match and so so far and away better than what they did at wrestlemania but the stupid bs that wwe put around this has made it hard to talk about the match without talking about all the pomp and circumstance of this being the greatest wrestling match ever yeah it's it's such a ballsy move to name it that and like I, I don't envy Edge. I, you know, I didn't envy Edge going into this match like, you know, the big return after nine years out. Not sure whether you've got kind of the ability to go anymore. Not really even been tested in, in the bits they've used him so far. You know, he, he obviously went for, a, he, he went for a fair ride through the Rumble, uh, had the match with Orton at WrestleMania, but that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't the match that they were intending to have originally. That wasn't the in front of a crowd uh, contest. So he's not had a proper really like wrestling match since returning to WWE and for them to hype that up, his first wrestling match, his first proper wrestling match in nine years to hype that as the greatest ever. That is just unachievable. uh, That's it. Like, yeah, yeah. it was always going to be unachievable. And that's the thing. No, no one's is ever going to sit there and go like, even if it was, just the fact that they have called it that people aren't going to go with it and be like, yeah, fine. You know, like I just, it's just bonkers. And I get kind of the, the notion of doing it for like, you know, 
it might have been a Saudi matches is, is one of the rumors that you know that it was meant intended to happen at a Saudi show and they like the greatest the biggest the most progressive etc cetera, etc cetera, as the titles for their sort of stuff and no one I don't think anyone in Saudi really is going to argue with that um seemingly that's the sort of the response of the crowd over there is is just willing to absorb the wrestling sort of at face value um and then you've got, yeah, there, or there's that potential that, you know, they wanted it for sort of search engine manipulation and that, that you know, the, the conspiracy theory, the tinfoil hat theory of like, you know, they want to change the sort of Google algorithm. So when you Google greatest wrestling match ever, now a WWE one comes up rather than Kenny uh, Okada or, you know, any of the other ones that Dave Meltzer has handed out more than five stars to. Um Fascinating stuff. I think I still, I, you know, and I, I'm shocked that they did so well considering like, i think weirdly calling it the greatest wrestling match ever actually lowered expectations to such a point that <laughs> it kind of made everyone receptive to the idea that like wow that was really it was a remarkable match it was really really good i think they played into the story of um edge's return brilliantly like this idea that orton's been wrestling that entire time in the early going of the match there's all these moments where Orton just stops short and doesn't run into a move because it's too obvious. And that's kind of like the wily, I've been on this game for nine years and you're slow. You're, you're, you're telegraphing everything you're doing. I just think it was, it was really well done. Yeah, it was a terrific match. A really, really great main event that, yeah, like you said, I loved the start of that with uh, with Edge doubting himself. Like he would go to do these big moves or these sort of big tactics and none of them would work. Randy was essentially sidestepping everything mm-hmm. and that was making Edge really doubt himself. Uh, and then that would sort of progress through when they were you know, building through lots of various different bits and bobs into this amazing series of near falls towards the end where you'd have the big moving kick out spot that WWE really likes to do in their pay-per-view main events. And do you know what? Like, I, I totally bought into a lot of them by the end. You know, that roll, roll up city spot they did where they did like loads of various edge roll ups. Mm-hmm. And then when he went to do another one, Randy hit him with the RKO for a great near fall. We had the, the reversal into a spear uh, and another spear. Like there was two spears there, which Randy then kicked out of. Another RKO off them doing the Christian finish, where Edge, like where the, the recreation of the Christian Randy Orton spot when mm. Christian lost heavyweight title, which so much history and sort of connotations oh, yeah. we're seeing those two. Really, really smart bit of uh, booking and, and match matchmaking there. And then we got the finish, which was a low blow and the punt kick for an Orton win so such a smart way to finish it like mm. you know you big like we talked about that like, my big prediction for the match was that it was going to end with a low blow and the punt but it was going to come right at the start of the match what they did actually was way better than what i could have predicted mm. which is you do that 45 minutes into the match where you're like oh you dick or you absolute <laughs> dick like we were having a really really good match there and for no real good reason, you just gave him a low blow and then punted him like an absolute knob. Like I, I just thought actually the character work in there was really, really great and loved Edge's selling of it, loved Randy's selling of it. And Randy getting the win is so much better in this sense than Edge picking up a second win over him. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it builds into the two of them, like the future of this feud. I think I, I think this now has earned a third match it's 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 earned a decider i think it's something that they can play up really smartly in this you know like it, orton's character will still say it's the greatest wrestling match ever uh coming out of this even though he cheated to win mm. edge will be like well you said you wanted a pure wrestling match and you've broken the rules to win it's a great way to bring the punt kick back like um you know again the same thing like bring back the concerto they did it on edge and that was you know, bringing back these truly vicious Randy Orton tactics and using them on a guy who has earned a spot as like one of the wrestling heroes, one of the miracle stories of modern wrestling. Um, It's just genius to get these things over as like, these are heat machines, right? Like these, these couple of spots that Orton can do now are just ways to cement him as like the biggest bad guy in your company. It's just, it was just genius. And I, I really loved all the callback stuff. Um, you know, bits I didn't like about the match. Uh, I didn't like the using of finishes from other people when it didn't necessarily make sense. Um, yeah. 
that didn't really, you know, I liked the, I, you know, I liked, um, who was it? Edge the angle used. slam. So yeah, yeah. Orton or, or, used the angle slam. That was really good. Yeah, so Orton used the angle slam because, and that made perfect sense within the match because Kurt Angle had picked Edge to win. So Orton using the angle slam was almost like sending a message. You made the comparison quite brilliantly to the uh, Cody Lance match where, mm. you know, La uh, Cody hits the DDT on Lance in front of Jake and Lance hits the spine buster on Cody in front of Arn. Mm. Um, like a lot of that stuff will make sense. And you could possibly make the argument for uh, Randy using the pedigree because of, you know, Triple H and the, you know, their connection with evolution. But like Edge doing the rock bottom Mm. Uh, and you know going for the sharpshooter and things like that I, I don't think a lot of that really worked and the, the, this was trying it was trying to summon it was trying to summon the ghosts of great wrestling matches past rather than like building into its own story exactly yeah like they were playing the greatest hits of other people like mm. throughout this match the commentators would be like oh my god that's like ricky the dragon steamboat oh my god that's like rick flair oh my god that's like the rock oh my god that's like this and it was just like name dropping and name dropping name dropping these people these hallowed names that have you know mm. been associated with some of the best matches in wwe history and i think that's where i i i kind of I, I feel like it sucks for reg and orton because I put up a post on Twitter yesterday that said, like, I just I feel really bad for them. They they put out a hell of an effort. They put out what is likely going to be the best WWE match in 2020 on pay-per-view. Mm. But all we can really be talking about is how it wasn't the greatest match of all time. And that's not their fault. That was stupid marketing. And some people replied being like, well, you can ignore the marketing. And I was like, well, you can't. Because the literal story of this match was two people trying to have the greatest wrestling match mm -hmm. ever. That's the story of this. You can't ignore that fact. You cannot ignore the greatest wrestling match ever aspect of this. Someone said like, oh, in 10 to 15 years time, like we won't remember that. I was like, it's literally there. Like it's you... <laughs> said by the commentators throughout the match. It's written all over the place. The beginning of the match when, oh, in front like autumn was stood there just being like i don't really i don't like this music <laughs> you know you i just literally can't ignore it no I mean, it's baked in and this is the thing i like and it, it's it's stupid to make the match labor under the shadow of its own marketing to labor under the shadow of like wrestling's lineage when it should be about two guys who you know have already made a name for themselves in wwe edge is already in the hall of fame um you know and then Randy Orton is, is sure to be a future Hall of Famer. And it's just that sort of it's silly to bring up all the people that have had brilliant matches before in the process of trying to put this match over in a, in a sort of sense where most people, I think, would go, I don't think it's deserving of that praise. That praise should come after the after the bell has rung rather than mm. being like baked into, you know, uh, being told, being forced fed it by commentators and just being, this is how you should feel about this rather than just going like, I, I'd happily just watch that match without any of that presentation and go, yeah, that is the best match of 2020. Like, it is the best WWE match of 2020. It is probably one of the best WWE style matches of the last five years in that sense of, I, I think for me, what I loved about this match is that it captured that feeling of like the old of old school pay-per-view matches on WWE where they did go about 40 minutes and it was two Titans trying everything to keep each other down. Um, and it, yeah, it just it just reminded me of like, you know, I, I kind of I get that's maybe why it was quite nice to have a Triple H finisher in there and, and, a, and a rock bomb because those are the guys that it did summon the sort of spectre of. I just don't think it needs to be quite so obvious about what they were trying to achieve with it. Yeah, and it's the same criticism that I labeled against New Japan. I think, I can't remember which match it was now, but they've done it a couple of times. It was Don Callis in particular was quite bad for it. When Kenny and Okada had, you know, their big series of matches that were really, really great. And Callis and Kevin Kelly would constantly bring up like the star ratings that those matches had been given and being like oh it's you know it's the five star match this mm -hmm. this and this and i was like but that all you're doing now is you're just you're making every other match now has got to try and surpass the one that's come before it mm -hmm. like sure you can talk about how these matches have been heavily praised but like to put so much emphasis on it is actually just it's a weight around the neck i was just looking at some of the chats there and some people like you can choose to ignore the greatest wrestling match aspect of this but when the story literally is 
this is the greatest wrestling match mm-hmm. ever. That mean that to me says then you don't care about the story of this match. In which case, then it can't be a great match because you're not invested in what the story of the match is. So it's it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, and I do think the WWE hamstrung these two unfairly so because mm-hmm. you know as you said earlier the the rumor is that this was a saudi thing because this was going to be one of the saudi shows this year the second saudi show this year which isn't going to happen now because of steve carino and that when you hear that you're like oh it totally makes sense why they would have the great because then the saudi government can say we hosted the greatest wrestling mm-hmm. match ever the same way that we've hosted the greatest royal rumble ever and so like it totally makes sense from that aspect but when you do it in the US and you do it on a B level pay per view like Backlash, all of a sudden, like it doesn't work anymore and it doesn't make mm. as much sense as it, as it once could have done. In front of barely any people, but with the sound of more people being well, played over speakers or being, you yeah. know, just being cut into the edit. Like, that's it. That's the other thing we haven't talked about is that, yeah, they were pumping in crowd noise, they, which they weren't hiding from. Audio. Yeah, they weren't hiding from it. Like the commentator said, we are presenting this with enhanced audio. They had uh, Howard Finkel announced the match from beyond the grave. Like they had the MSG um, uh, speaker thing come down, the microphone come down, and Howard Finkel doing old introductions being played out over the speakers. You had uh, Mini Nate in the classic baby blue uh, referee top. And you, yeah, you had this piped in noise and more camera cuts. They retook some of this stuff, which unfortunately, according to Meltzer, is where Edge picked up his injury. He didn't pick it up during the match. He picked it up doing some of the retakes for it. Ooh. Which is a bit of a kick in the dick, to be honest. I've yeah. been like, oh, that really, really sucks then. Yeah, that that's oh, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. not great. I see, so, and it's a shame because yeah, again, that's all just part of that presentation of like it could have they could have just gone out there and done a 40 the 40 minute match as live. You know, it didn't I don't I don't think the presentation they gave it added anything to it really like beyond clearly the ability to structure it to give it like a really good structure which i do think that match had a very it had a very smart structure and clearly they thought about sort of the story through the action and and sort of the, the phases of the match turning from like edge being unsure of himself edge finding his composure autumn rocks that composure again they start to do the sort of tribute stuff then we get that crazy series of kickouts and then autumn uh flips the script and switch, switches from caring about it being the greatest wrestling match ever to just caring about winning. Um, yeah, I, I think it was it was a brilliantly done match. It's just a shame that yeah they they overproduced it in an attempt to make it uh, to to I guess raise it above the rest of the card. When I think the fact that it is Edge's first proper match in nine years already does that. I don't I don't think we needed. You know, I, I guess maybe the maybe they felt like they had to because the the response to the WrestleMania match wasn't Oof, quite yeah. as positive as they expected it to be. Um, so maybe they felt like they really had to go ham on trying to make this one feel special and get people. Yeah, into it. but I think it actually had the opposite effect. I, I agree. You and I said in this stream yesterday they kind of ruined the verisimilitude <laughs> of the match a little bit and like sort of the diegetic sound and it it, it did it, it kind of created a bit of a barrier to the match itself and in some semblance of the the enjoyment of it i mean like overall i i I loved the match i thought the match was was great i thought it was Mm. it's easily orton's best match in god knows how long it's it's in orton's best match like you'd have to go back to like you know the undertaker match of mania or his match with foley at backlash 04 like it's it's been a long long time since orton has had a match that was this great Mm. and it's you know you could possibly make the argument it's the best pay per view WWE match since Punk Cena or since mm. Cena Styles, like it it really is like in the upper echelon of last fifteen twenty years the best matches WWE have put out on pay per view. It's just hamstrung by a really silly gimmick, and you can argue and you can die on the hill that you can uh, choose to ignore that, but I would argue that choosing to ignore it would be like saying well you could choose to ignore the 18 months worth of build for a card or omega 4 like you could mm. choose to know but if you do so you lose so much of that match because so much of that match is built around the fact that we've been building to this for the past 18 months yeah and i think it's worth it's worth like thinking as just a thought exercise being like do, do you know if they just said that this was edge versus orton in an old school wrestling match 
or in a pure wrestling match or whatever, like whatever kind of, you know, you don't want to just call it no, like if this was in a video game, it would be normal mode. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, you know, you, so you want to give it a name that makes it feel special. An old school wrestling match could have worked. They could have done it. And then, you know, then the, the baby blue refs outfit, the, the uh, MSG microphone, they could have even kind of given it like a, a filter and stuff in the kind of the way that they edited it and things. And, and then maybe then sort of the crowd noise and stuff might have given it that bit of flavor. But I think saying it's the greatest and then, yeah, messing with our notion of how we're receiving it, trying to tell us what we should be thinking by one, piping in crowd sound, two, uh, having the commentators constantly compare it to other matches that uh, were brilliant or other performers who are legends in the business. Um, it just, it removes that sort of feeling of like, I, 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 it's that kind of, you know, I feel they're trying to work me too hard here. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, right, well, let's see what you've all had to say about this match up in the Super Chats. We've had a lot of messages about this, as you would imagine. Uh, Lex Sells Merch says, Edge and Orton was more like a love letter to wrestling than the greatest match ever. Hashtag Leg Slap was the only logical finish given Randy's build. Ha. Yeah, so a lot of people have referenced that, you know, Randy Orton essentially won with a leg slap. I think, I think some people might have read a bit too much into that because, like you always do a leg slap with the pun. What Randy's talking about is constantly slapping your leg for every single move. Like, I just think, know, it's, you, I just think he's quite, in, he's quite clever though. So I think he would have started doing that on purpose to build up to like, it adds, it adds to the dickish nature of the Randy Orton character to have a go at the NXT guys two weeks beforehand and then finish his match with his leg slap. Like it, it could just be genius heel work, which I, I'm happy to admit. I'm happy to think it is. 
Um, up next, we have got from Eddie Road Dog said, great match, awful WWE gimmick. Also, Samoa Joe's commentary made it feel much more legit. He should have a job at the desk after he's done wrestling. Yeah, that's the other thing, actually. It's like Todd and Byron were Todd and Byron. Mm-hmm. But Joe was amazing on commentary throughout the match. He was brilliant. Joe, Joe is a law unto himself. He's so good at everything. Everything he touches is just turns to gold. He's amazing. Mikhail, uh, has anyone mentioned yet how the scene of the chicken leg had the same cinematic feeling of Captain America getting Mjolnir in Endgame? <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, if his, if his, and also they are Vikings. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I don't know. There's, there's too many parallels. Planet Jaredius says a great wrestling match. No, uh, great wrestling match. No good match though. Not sure what you mean by that one, Planet, I'm afraid. Uh, Lena says, do you agree with Meltzer that it isn't fair to compare Edge and Orton to Brian versus Styles since one had retakes and edits and the other one was done in one take? It's different. It's different strokes for different folks, isn't it? And yeah, this is what wrestling is like. And this is the thing. There is no, is there a rule set for what is a wrestling match and what isn't a wrestling match and what, uh, what we're allowed to compare? It's all entertainment really at the end of the day so were you entertained or not yeah i'm sure you know brian and styles put on a hell of a match uh, and did it all in one take but yeah all on an edge had pickups and stuff but they were trying to craft the greatest wrestling match ever yes uh kevin this match looked like a takeover style match with the finish to spam the near falls and the big finish uh japanese girl kanji character says is randy orton the original orange cassidy slow and boring until motivated once motivated perhaps one of the best ever hey well that would be to suggest that cassidy is slow and boring which he's <laughs> not he's just lazy mm. Uh, Josh Kirsch says, where does Randy go from here? Will he face Drew? I suppose it depends on what Randy's schedule is like, because I'd imagine he is very much on that part-time schedule. So we may not see Randy until he comes back for the Edge rematch. Yeah, true. I, think, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is good momentum, though, that they that you would want to use. But this feels like, you know, he he's a, someone they like to have operating in the... Uh, championship circles and i think he would make a good he'd make a good competitor for group for drew to beat and sort of get a bit of glory off mm. um yeah i don't know uh josh kirsch says do you think edge versus orton was five stars i i, I would be sort of close to that but like the, the 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 finished spamming like with the rock bottom and the pedigree and some of the other spots kind of took me a little bit out of it plus the crowd noise took me out of it as well the piped in crowd noise that is uh, so I don't think I could give it a five star, um, but yeah, I mean, I I would very I'd feel very comfortable in saying that it is the best WWE pay per view match of 2020. Mm. Antonio says uh, Randy really just ended that match with a hashtag leg slap. Dylan from Cork, as sad as I am about Edge's injury, hopefully by the time he returns, fans will be back and he can get another huge pop. Yeah, I mean, he may like if you look at the time frame, probably be back for the Royal Rumble next year. Mm. Um, E Ace, I actually fell asleep during the Randy Edge match. Whoa. So we had a couple of these super chats during the um, the live stream last night where people were saying that they thought it was a really boring match. Um, I, and again, it's that different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Like if you like your more spot filled, flippy do match, then yeah, it is going to feel like it's a bit slow and plodding. But I I, I thought they told a great story throughout. Yeah. This was um, psychology. Yeah. And lastly, for now, Mr. Deegan says, seen a lot of criticism saying the match had too many false finishes, but my count, there were only three, the two RKOs and the double spear. Yeah, I think that that feels like a, a lazy common criticism that people just give to matches. If there's like two kickouts of big moves, there's like, ah, there's too much, too many false finishes. Whereas I think they actually had the perfect amount of them. Yeah, and it, it sold in the story that like, that's the, that it, you have to have those false finishes to get to the point where Orton is going to use the punt yeah, like if he's hit the RKO, what else is in his arsenal? Like he needs something else to put Edge away, and kicking the man who has a history of neck injury in the head is kind of like the ultimate fu, isn't it? 
totally uh right on with the show itself but before we get to that hey do you like books do you like reading like nerds well how about reading a book about wrestling <laughs> amazon's number one best-selling book is available from wrestletalkbooks.com you can order wrestling heat today from uh, wrestletalkbooks.com which will link you through to the amazon store find it on amazon it is a great read we've got forward by adam blompier in there pete quinnell has done some work for it and yes it is amazon's number one best selling book in the wrestling category so congratulations to the team there really really well done get your copy through the link in the video description down below okay uh, the kickoff show saw Andrade versus Apollo Crews. Now, uh, apparently, according to our Wrestle Talk sources with uh, Louis Dangor, um, this was not supposed to be on the pre-show. Uh, as of Monday and Tuesday, this was going to be on the main card. And then throughout the week, that was changed and it was bumped to the pre-show. I'm sure Paul Heyman, uh, being demoted from his position as Raw Creative Director, had nothing to do <laughs> with this going to uh, the pre-show. But yeah, so it was a perfectly fine, anyway, like seven or so minutes. Um, Cruz had the match won, but Gaza got on the apron. Kevin Owens, who was down to do commentary, um, stunned Gaza. And then Cruz uh, hit his um, sit-out powerbomb for the win. Perfectly fine stuff. Good wrestlers do good wrestling, and the Zelina Vega clan continues to break up. Yeah, cool. that's, that's not a great move. Uh, right, for the, uh, I need to say Raw Women's Championships, for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross took on the Iconics, took on the team of Bailey and Sasha Banks, the champions. And this was, I mean, this was a really, really good match very much helped by the fact that it was a triple threat tag match with triple threat rules. Thank didn't just have, you. Oh, God, it was like, when all three of them were still in the ring, I'm like, there you go. Like, this makes sense. Yeah, like, having one team stood on the outside being like, well, maybe we'll get a tag and get to win. <laughs> makes absolutely no... Like, it's too confusing, those, those matches, to even keep track of who's tagged in. Like, at least in a triple threat, you know that you can just go, well, one person from each team is in. Um, yeah. and we st I still lost count of who was tagged in at some points. You know, it was like when I think there was a point where Sasha was was in and uh, they were sort of dealing with Bailey. And I was like, oh, well, they've got Bailey down. Oh, oh wait, she's not legal, so it doesn't matter. There was some really good stuff in this. There was a good Alexa Bliss hot tag where she just started wailing on every single person in the match. Uh, I really liked when um, Bliss and Banks and Peyton Royce were all in the ring together and they did like this crazy series of roll-ups on each other that just got more and more elaborate as time went on. Um, Peyton did a really crazy dive through the ropes as well, that diving cross yeah. body that just like... She hit two of them and then they all fell onto everyone else. It was just, it was, yeah, it was like a level of chaos that it, it wasn't a pretty move, but it sold in. This was just broken down completely. Um, and then, yeah, the finishes that uh, Alexa hits the twisted bliss, um, but Sasha runs in and rolls her up and yeah. steals the win. So I, I quite like that finish as well. But yeah, this was shonky is the word that I would use uh, mm -hmm. for some of this match because it wasn't, it wasn't pretty at times. Like the, they were all like, it, it was, no one was, outwardly botching stuff but it also wasn't the smoothest version of what it could be it's a bit like like you know private party in aew mm -hmm. often like i've got such really creative offense that and that not always works it sort of works but also sort of half doesn't there's a lot of spots like that in in this match where they had something they wanted to do but it didn't quite work but they've sort of got all of it so shonky is the word that i would use but yeah, overall it's, like, I it's, it's that kind of bit of skill gap like you know, so I think someone like uh, Sasha Banks is an incredibly polished performer when in there with somebody else who is that that pure level. And then I think yeah, they've they've obviously come up with some pretty good stuff to do in this match, but not everyone is capable of the fluidity required to to really nail it. And uh, Bailey and Banks are going to NXT this week uh, to take on Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi, who was in the crowd, actually, but uh, they never really made reference to the fact that she was then going to be going for those tag titles because the people in the crowd don't matter a jot. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, yeah, and that's also part of the, uh, the the report that came out after Heyman got his uh, his marching orders on Friday that um, Vince McMahon is is really furious with the uh, NXT ratings at the moment. The fact that they haven't beaten AEW pretty much all year. In fact, they haven't beat them at all all year. I don't think. And so the the idea is that they're not going to shake up the creative team like they are for Raw. Instead, they're just going to be sending more people from Raw and SmackDown to the NXT show to try and boost those ratings back to their sort of Survivor Series winning ways. Yeah, well, it's, that, it's smart. That's that's what worked for them last time. You know, the promise yeah. of the promise of a Becky Lynch on on NXT was was quite enticing. So they announced Extreme Rules will take place on July 19th with a fun new logo and colour scheme, which leads us nicely into Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Now, I uh, I really liked this match. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a really, really good match. I thought that Sheamus... I, I'm, I'm not really that bothered by Sheamus, and I'm not really bothered by this feud, like... Do you know? Do you know a way not to get me into a feud is by one person throwing piss in the other person's face. Like it's it's really not my bag. It's an incredibly uh, convoluted story. Uh, <laughs> I just yeah, I can't. I'm not on board with the feud at all. But yeah, this was this was surprisingly good. It's surprisingly good. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, surprisingly good. You had a really vicious side from Sheamus. You had Jeff as a really great underdog coming back, kicking out the white noise, escaping the Texas cloverleaf, hitting the piss of fate and the piston bomb. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we did a lot of this on the show last night um, with Sheamus getting to the ropes. And I loved uh, Hardy doing his run around the barricade thing, and he just jumped straight into a bro kick, which looked brutal as all heck. Mm. Sheamus threw him into the ring, hit another bro kick for the win. Right man went over. You can now build to Sheamus versus Hardy at Extreme Rules in a more Jeff Hardy style match, which, uh, yeah, I'm all for. Like, particularly if it's like a number one contendership thing, like you can really like elevate this feud into, you know, he, this, the winner of this will be going on to face the Blue Universal Champion at um, mm. SummerSlam. Will be a really good way to elevate this feud a little bit more and add some stakes to it. Yeah, I, absolutely. Game. I think, yeah, and I think because this, this feud need some fire lit under it because it's been a bit it's been a bit juvenile it's been a bit childish so far um and yeah this match didn't really start off feeling particularly heated between the two it was you know they they sort of stood there facing each other fairly amicably until it started and then and then only as the match wore on did Sheamus really get vicious and like you know by the end by the sort of midpoint of this match Jeff Hardy's got no face paint left he's barely wearing his shirt like they, they they really sold that Sheamus was just doing a number on Jeff throughout this match. I I, I really kind of was sold on it towards the end. Uh, up next for the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka versus Nia Jax in a match that it wasn't bad. Like it was it was okay. Look, I, I mean I'm gonna put my cards on the table there. The sort of the, the show kind of fell off a cliff for a little bit. Um, like over the next over the next three matches, this show sort of fell off a cliff a little bit. Just the finishes, um, Luke. Just the finishes. Just, just the finishes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Mostly the finishes. Um, and this match wasn't bad. Asker's using her speed against Jax. Jax hit the Jax hammer at one point for a good mm-hmm. near fall. There was some, you know, some decent stuff in here. But the finish then saw Asker trying to do the armbar over the ropes, but she couldn't quite hold on, so she just sort of slipped and fell. And then Jax went to the outside. They fought a little bit. And then both got counted out. Mm. And there was a lot of confusion when we were doing the live stream last night as to whether or not that was supposed to be the finish. Because Asuka didn't act like that was supposed to be the finish. Neither did Jax. Like, Asuka continued to attack Jax after the match a a little bit. Get that music. (laughs) Like, the music played a little bit. Like, it all felt mad awkward. And... uh, we uh, our sources uh, backstage there initially were all like, no, that was the planned finish. And then some people said, actually, I don't think it did go completely to plan. What Brian Alvarez is saying is that the original plan was for Asuka to just go over clean uh, on Nia Jax. Mm. But Vince made the call on Sunday to change it to a double count out finish. For what reasons? I don't know. I guess it's to maybe keep Jack strong to build more into the Charlotte Flair feud with Asuka and make maybe, mm. maybe make it a triple threat match. But it it didn't make Asuka look good. And as Ollie pointed out in his review that's also available on this channel, I should, which I recommend you all go and watch, since Asuka has won the belt, she's lost to Charlotte twice and has now drawn with Nia Jax. Like, 
that's that's not great man for like to, to be the champion it's a really bad way to counter the issues that they've caused with the way they booked Becky for the last year. You know, Becky drove the entire rest of the women's roster into the ground by being Becky and being the man and beating them at every single turn. And now the need, there is a need now to build new female stars or to rebuild some of the stars that Becky was kind of, you know, keeping at arm's length by being the top, top woman on the card. Um, but this is not the way to do it. This is, you know, and a double count out would have made sense here if it looked like there was a point at seven when the referee was like seven and, and Jackson and Asker weren't touching each other. And then they just sort of carried on. Like, yeah. And it was like they both sort of stopped for a second and then carried on fighting. And then we got to like, we were just like, oh, it's going to be a count out now, isn't it? It, it didn't feel like the, the it escalated to the point that they should have been counted out. Like the, it, there wasn't that that vicious energy there. Like you know, considering, say, take over in your house, um, Candice and Mia brawl out of the six woman tag match early in that because that feels quite heated, and they they take themselves out of the match by having the fight. Um, yeah, it just didn't feel like they were they were so into beating each other down that they would forget the rules. Yeah, which is, what this, which is what this bit is, especially Jax, like because it was Jax on the offense who didn't pick her up, put her back in the ring. Like, yeah, what it, champion's advantage exists. It made her look like an idiot. It didn't make Asuka look good either. Yeah. And, and considering that the build for this match has really treat and uh, has treated Asuka like the afterthoughts, because the focus has been on Asuka Flair. Mm. Jax like being protected in this finish just kind of makes the, the builds seem a bit rubbish as well and i i don't think this worked um yeah. which is a real shame i think asuka getting a big win here would have been so much better for her than getting a double count out to protect nia Jax. um yeah, yeah I, I i wasn't a fan of this you can finish. protect but you can protect nia Jax by having the finish be the asuka lock or being like an armbar like they did the work in the match to work over the arm. Like Asuka kept attacking the arm throughout with like octopuses and uh, you know that the, the failed sort of tarantula almost over the ropes. Like we we had all of that stuff in the match ready to sort of work, and and they just didn't bother to pay off on it. And that would have protected Jax because you can have Jax be really strong, but obviously would tap out to a broken arm because why? Yeah. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, for the Blue Universal Championship, it was the handicap match, Braun Strowman defending against the team of Miz and Morrison. Uh, so it was announced on this show that it was no longer a co-champion stipulation and it was whoever scored the pin was going to be the one who picked up the championship. So inevitably, uh, Miz pulls off Morrison during a pin at one point and Braun retains. So the man for the vicar. Exactly. Um, so this wasn't much of a match this like and Miz and Morrison playing their comedy music video really just cemented that this is a comedy filler feud while we wait for the fiends mm. to come back which makes the title look a bit pants it doesn't make Braun look good I really did not like this well I don't <laughs> understand I don't understand the it's not going to be a co-championship thing because then it's it's not a handicap match. It's a triple threat match. It's, you know, Miz and Morrison choosing to work together and then be like, oh, well, I've dragged him off because I want to be the champion. Like, it just doesn't make sense. That actually puts Miz and Morrison at a disadvantage to, yeah. to face Strowman. It, it, it is just dumb, especially when the more interesting outcome is that they become co-champions and then you can split them up in a feud over the belt. Like, that's far more interesting than... Braun Strowman beats two dudes because they have a squabble. It's it's like that's the most basic, boring wrestling story. And I feel like it's it's the sort of thing that follows Braun Strowman around like a bad smell. These kind of nonsense finishes, despite the fact that he's so big and powerful, he could just bully anyone into the ground. Yeah. Well, speaking of hanging around like a bad smell, uh, the finish to Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley had one of those. So this was a, this was awesome. This was a really, really great match. And while I didn't like the finish, so the finish saw quite predictably, Lana came down for no reason whatsoever, got up on the apron. That caused a distraction. She got bumped into MVP. Lashley turned around to the Claymore. Drew retains. 
fine. Like mm-hmm. you're telling this story so you can build to the, the Lana Lashley split. Fine. It just sucked because it was a really bad finish to what was such a great match. And like, I just, I don't think it needed this finish. No, like this, I, is, I, this was, it was so good until that moment, right? Like it was, it was, it was pitched perfectly as well. Like, you know, the whole like MVP gets in Drew's face at the beginning of the match and Lashley before the bell locks in the full Nelson. And yeah. Just, holds it until they're calling out officials to try and break it up and he won't break it and then he breaks it and then they're like do you want to even do the match Drew and Drew's like yeah I'm still going to defend it Lashley works over the neck for the whole match they chuck each other into the barricades at like a little bit this all works sort of none of these bits went particularly uh, uh, to plan I think on the outside but they looked extra vicious because of that you know Lashley almost dumped Drew on his head and he had to do like a last minute safety roll Drew tried to flip seemingly flip Lashley over the barricade and it it just went into so it just was a splat yeah from like that distance um but it all sold this really good like story that you know Lashley is focused Lashley is the kind of the character we wanted to see Bobby Lashley be when he came back to WWE, the character that they've kept him away from by having him be a sort of pointless baby face for a bit or part of random uh, heel stables of just like these three guys or do you know what? Yeah. Those three guys. Hang yeah. on. These three guys. Uh, and, it, you know, this, this really did feel like the new direction for the top of, the raw car like this felt like the you know this 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 felt like the beginnings of they're building a top echelon of people now in raw yeah that is very distinct and has a very distinct style and uh, you know like with seth in that mix and drew and lashley i'm really into that i think that's really great mvp and lashley teaming is brilliant lana coming out and undermining it all doesn't even need to happen like they don't need yeah. to divorce because she can still be married to Lashley and not have any effect on his ability as a wrestler. Um, it doesn't make any difference. And it, this just felt like a cop-out way to foe protect Lashley. Like, Yeah, it, I don't think it did it. And it, it was a shame as well, because the match was doing wonders for Lashley. Like, it was really elevating him onto mm. Drew's level. And bear in mind how strongly Drew has been booked since Mania. And, it's you know, that's two pay-per-views on the bounce now that Drew McIntyre has had an excellent ww championship match because drew is the best drew so so damn good and i loved some of the spots in this particularly i loved them because of their shared history they've got with kurt angle busting out the the angle slam mm-hmm. and the the ankle lock as well uh, sorry the angle slam that wasn't in this match it was the uh, that was in the main event but the ankle lock was in there and then because of their shared connection with brock lesnar them looking in the Kimura. Like there was some mm-hmm. really, really smart stuff around here for, for fans to kind of pick out and be like, oh, that's a reference to this. Oh, that's a really nice thing to that. I thought these two worked so, so well together. Mm-hmm. Like it's very rare for me to pop massively for a superplex because you see them all the time. But the you know, these two doing a superplex was like, wow, that is a big old spectacle. And I well, very much yeah. enjoyed it. Well, Lashley's foot slipped, didn't it? Yeah. And Drew just went, "Okay, lift you then." <laughs> like Lashley's right foot, like slides off the off the uh, the middle rope just as Drew starts to lift him, and he sort of jolts a bit, and Drew just goes, "Okay, yeah. I've got you. Don't worry." So just amazing yeah, but, stuff, incredible. But the finish just sucked. I, I I was not a fan of the finish whatsoever. So that was like three bad finishes on the bounce, <sighs> and then we got. Uh, uh, what was our semi-main? So they announced earlier in the day, I think it might have been on Saturday or something, but they announced very late in the week that Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders had been added to the Backlash card. Viking Raiders, as you will remember, lost a tag team match on Monday to establish mm-hmm. themselves as the number one contenders here. Um, but they didn't have a match. What they did was a cinematic joke skit that was playing off of their previous whatever you can do we can do better for you. They've been doing now for what feels like the last two years. And this was so wacky Mm. and so comedic. And there was, I did laugh and it's, and perhaps this is me, like with my expectations being so lowered by how bad these segments have been on raw for me to then go like, well, it's the best of the lot they've done so far. I give it two thumbs up. 
Like that really was like the, yeah. the standards become so low that I was like, you know what? I actually laughed this time. And so therefore it's good, I guess. I have uh, no issue with this as a like as a thing to have done and to have made and to put out there. I have an issue with its placement on the card. Uh, yeah. it, that is nonsense to put it there. Like it, 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 I think it devalues what Drew and Bobby Lashley did to put this as the spacer between that and Edge and Orton, um, like the the sort of comedic sorbet palate cleanser before we get the greatest wrestling match ever. Um, yeah, I have no issue with what this 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 was, but it, it was just a mess. It was a funny mess, but it had no structure. It had no story going through it. It had like. It just didn't make any goddamn sense, you know. That, there was some funny, there was some funny callback stuff where everyone, you know, the, the prophets got the golf clubs, and then the the raiders uh, got the bowling ball and the axes, um, and then you know you sort of bowled it into Montez Ford's groin. Hilarious. Um, summoned the turkey leg from various places. Ivar was continually having dreams, as well, like dream sequences about being hot or like being like flirted with by uh various uh, all, ladies all, all, all the various ladies yeah. and then got flirted with by the referee who said they had a match to go to and they didn't get up and go to it like this is the thing it, just, it, it didn't make sense this is this is what i mean it's just like there's none, none of this actually went anywhere it wasn't mentioned why they didn't have the match that they were booked for um akira tozawa <laughs> yeah <laughs> Turns up with a bunch of ninjas, like, ninjas on bikes, bike ninjas. Like he yeah. had an army of bike ninjas show up, and the street riding prophet... Kawasaki, riding Kawasaki ninjas. The ninjas <laughs> arrived, like, and and this was the Viking Raiders and the Street Prophets joining forces to become the Viking Prophets to then fight off these ninjas. And then Akira Tozawa had this big giant ninja that had a sword, which they then ran away from this is where we had ivar doing the uh, the turkey leg uh, force grab thing or the or the mjolnir as, as someone super chatted earlier and then they ran away and then continued to have their match or their their fight and they fell into garbage this is they where the referee jumped, yeah. half of them jumped in yeah this is where the referee showed up lady ref showed up to be like hey you have a match next also Hanson, you're very happy. Roe, not so much. To mm. continue that thread. And I don't think anything sums up this segment quite as succinctly as my final note on this match, which is tentacles end the segments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forget about that. <laughs> so this, this segment, like, like all of the Street Profits Viking Raider stuff on Raw, they don't know how to end this stuff. And so in this case a tentacle just came out of the garbage and they ran away from it. And then that was that. Like there was no conclusion. A tentacle showed up and they were like, we're off. And then they were like, well, now it's time for the greatest wrestling match ever. It's Randy Orton versus Edge. No, it was so beyond wacky. This is, I think this is one of those things about surrealist comedy that they've confused. Is like surrealist comedy usually still has a point to it and like somewhere it's going and the surrealism adds to kind of the the overall structure of it and the, the it it helps the story along none of the surreal bits of this helped the story along there was no story this was they were just brawling and then there was callbacks and jokes and none of it made sense and i don't mind it in that sense of like i did laugh a few times i did think it was kind of like I think it takes the wrong lessons from the cinematic matches they've done so far, for one, because I think people found the sort of like hokiness of uh, Money in the Bank and the Boneyard match to be quite thrilling, but they at least sort of had a good story and structure and through line through them. And they were positioned correctly on the cards they were on. This shouldn't have been what we got before the main event. This should yeah. have been, this should have like opened the show or been like in the middle point at like, that this should have been a spacer to be like, well, here's the lull, and then boom, here's the Street Profits Viking Raiders match and match, and then we move on with the rest of the show. This was like we had the high drama of Drew and Bobby absolutely killing it out there, um, and then obviously their terrible finish, and then we had this. Makes yeah. Sense. Uh, the other thing to add as well on the Bobby Lashley uh, Drew McIntyre match was uh, our sources have said that it was a Paul Heyman match with a Vince McMahon finish. 
So it's the other thing to to add on to that. Sounds about right. Yep. And then we've got our main event of Orson versus Edge, which we've already covered. So bizarre to end on tentacles um, in terms of this review. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I Ollie gave the show a two out of five. I think that's fair because mm. while I did love the main events, it wasn't without its flaws. While I loved the Drew Bobby match, it wasn't without its flaws. Like, you know, the series of bad finishes from Asker yeah. Jacks, Ms. Morrison and Strowman, and then the Drew Bobby match really put a damper on me. And while I did enjoy the Street Profits Viking Raiders stuff, I've, I don't particularly care about that feud because I haven't enjoyed their raw skits to make me really enjoy this one either. So, yeah, so I think two out of five is fair. Like, I'd be tempted mm. to bump it up to three, but WWE's terrible marketing around the match and the gimmick that they sort of hamstrung them with does make me resent the match somewhat slightly and feel bad for them in a way it makes me resent the company not the match itself and i feel bad for edge and orton so yeah so i i think i'm going to stick with a two out of five review for it i think that's fair i think my considering my overriding feeling about a lot of the matches that i really enjoyed was oh god that finish sucked <laughs> yeah. like i yeah, i, I just yeah i can't I just can't rate it higher than that because it was just a lot of very dodgy WWE stuff that just makes you think, oh, I don't care. Like, this shouldn't be happening on a pay-per-view. Lana shouldn't be interfering in the title match on a pay-per-view. That is a raw segment that you do to build to the pay-per-view. That is not the finish to your big, like, your blockbuster feud that you've managed to build between Lashley and, and Drew. It's That is so dumb. I hope we do get a rematch between those two, though. They deserve, really, they, yeah, yeah. They, de they deserve one without cheap thrills at the end, you know. Yeah. Uh, right, on to your Super Chats, uh, Backlash-related stuff. Jobber JJ has said, can we talk about how great Samoa Joe was? He sure was. He was oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Josh Kirsch, is Tazawa the leader of a ninja army now? I think that was just for the... Although, you've got to think of that ninja army, because like you never saw what happened to Tazawa and, and his big ninja dude with the sword, so maybe mm. they'll come back for a future skit. Steven Anderson, uh, the greatest wrestling match of all time, hands down, is Gangrel versus Jeffrey the Giraffe from Toys R Us. YouTube it. Thanks for the entertainment. Uh, Dartrain24, imagine if WWE paid as much respect to Fink in life as they did by using his voice last night. Fink is the greatest of all time. Hashtag fear star. Yeah, that is, it, it's always like when someone dies that you know has worked for wwe that they have treated like garbage for a lot of their career they will all of a sudden just be like oh no we love those but we've always mm. loved the fink even though like fink's career is like peppered with them being like you're a dork shut up fink like anytime fink would be introducing a match you'd always have jerry lawler going like get to the point fink come on mate stop talking we've got some mm. wrestling to get onto." They did not like Vink and they bullied him a lot. Uh, but now that he's dead, they're like, oh, no, but he's a legend and we always loved him. Mm, well, the outpouring of other people's emotions made them realize that they probably should have tried having some at some point. Yeah. Let us not forget that when he did make his very triumphant return to Madison Square Garden with CM Punk, that was Punk's request. And, and Fink was so overwhelmed with the tears in his eyes, they ordered Michael Cole to laugh and make fun of him. Mm -hmm. uh, Taylor Peck, uh, was this Lash Lashley's best match in his career? Lana is the new X-Pac. She just needs to go away. I don't think it's his, his best career match. He did a lot of really good stuff on the indies when he went away. He did some amazing work in TNA as well. So I would, I'd go and recommend that. It's probably, it's definitely his best WWE match since he came back though, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. And yeah, uh, that just didn't, again, didn't need that finish. Like they, they, they don't need to split Lashley and Lana up. She doesn't, she doesn't add or take away anything by her presence. Like just keep her there because it's useful you probably want a wife character at some point for him. And if you break them up, then you, you're going to have to make another one up. Um, uh, but yeah, you know the Tommy Lag, uh, the tag team skit was funny for the same reason that Sharknado films are good. It's so bad, it's funny. I've always taken a little bit of issue with this because I hate when films try to be so bad they're funny. The films that are so bad they're funny are the ones that are trying to be good but end up being so bad they're funny. I, I hate movies that are just like, we have set out to make a bad movie. Look how clever we are. 
F off, mate. Get up. Just try a bit, will you? Like, the reason why people love The Room is because Tommy Wiseau was trying to make a good movie. He was actively trying. Mm. Troll 2 was actively trying to be a good movie, but it just falls apart. Um, Pavi, um, you think WWE could use cinematic Last Undertaker match, though they bring out his biggest rivals throughout history and they fight him to finally put him to rest? Uh, possibly, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, apparently it wasn't a tentacle it was an inflatable alligator tail because they're in florida it's full of them it's not better just correcting the animal you said it was an alligator as well but i thought like everyone was saying it was a tentacle and like yeah i assumed it was a tail and rusev made that joke as well that it was the sea monster from um southpaw regional wrestling uh rangers mayhem again said it wasn't a tentacle it was a florida gator uh leon doesn't make it any better it did look like an inflatable uh leonza duncan uh the uh, greatest wrestling match ever was the best WWE movie ever. They made it a show slash spectacle. Crowd noise, storytelling, finishes, camera angles. It was a cinematic wrestling match. It was perfectly meta as well. Um, yeah, it's a good argument. E Ace, I thought the Ninja Bikers were the NXT Lucha Gang. <laughs> uh, Miguel 8A says, do you think Edge and Randy Orton will be remembered as a decent match or that time WWE thought they could do the greatest match ever joke? Yeah, I, I think the the latter of those two. I think it'd be remembered as a decent match as well, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can take it away. I think I think it's just one of those things where you know, weirdly with wrestling, I think a lot of things because they get remembered for the circumstances, and then people tend to appreciate what actually happened as well afterwards. Uh, Lucky two thousand one. I can see also on the Gator thing. If it really was a Gator, that means they did a terrible job of it because everyone thought it was a tentacle. This is like the mechanical spider all over again. Uh, if you can't do it good, don't do it. Lucky yeah, two thousand one. <laughs> Lucky two thousand one. I can see Street Profits as a comedy team. How are we supposed to take Viking Raiders seriously as a team after this? Well, this, I don't know. Like this, is the, and this is the thing that I, I find what what I find most annoying about this is we know how good Street Profits versus Viking Raiders the matches, and mm. to to have wasted time doing all of this stuff and like to to a card that actually could have desperately needed a really like I feel like that card last night needed a, another really good match on it with a proper finish, and instead we got that we yeah. got alligators and magic turkey legs. Harry Burgess, hey lads, new pledge hammer here. Thank you very much. Uh, would you recommend the Edge Orton match for someone wanting to get back or into wrestling? If you had a favorite moment from the 2016 to 2020 era, what would it be? Um, no, I wouldn't, mm. because it is like because it's nearly 50 minutes long. So if you're trying to show someone who's trying to get back into wrestling or someone who is new to wrestling, so like I wouldn't show them a card or Omega four, even though like for me personally, that is the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen. I wouldn't show someone who is new to wrestling that match right off the back, uh, right off the bat. Like I don't yeah. think it's the it's, it's not setting yourself off on the right foot. I don't think I'd show anyone anything from the current period of time either, because uh, it's not wrestling how it will be presented going forwards. Is it? It's not. It's not like hey, this is this is the nostalgic wrestling you remember. It actually, if you were like, remember when you dropped out of wrestling and it was like thousands of people cheering and Stone Cold and stuff, and now you're like, yeah, and now they're doing it in like a garage. Uh, so <laughs> it just it makes it even though obviously that's there's outside influences on that it makes it seem like wrestling would have diminished like it's like ah yeah okay this is a reason I stopped watching because I, I imagined it was going this way yeah um, a favorite moment from the 2016 2020 era uh, AJ Styles debuting at the Royal Rumble because I'm oh. such a big AJ Mark uh, oh, and Edge returning at the Rumble as well mm. uh, Chocobo Kid this is the greatest review ever backlash. Uh, thank you to Ollie Jacobs for your message. Uh, Louis was great on Fightful Show with uh, Sean Ross Sapp. He's really great for such, uh, for such a young age. You can check out, uh, you should check it out and do more stuff with him. Maybe the magazine show, maybe. Uh, and thank you to Michael Lewis and Taylor Peck for your donations and no messages. Thank you all, all so much for listening. Remember, you can go get your copy of Amazon's number one bestseller in the wrestling category, Wrestling Heat. The link for that is in the video description down below. Order it today. It's a great old book featuring Adam Lompier doing the foreword. Pete Quinnell has done some work in it as well. Amazon number one bestseller. Uh, so, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I've been going this has been Laurie Blake, and that was Wrestling. Sarah Duck.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.